Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Hangouts and Headlines, January 9th, 2024, your home, Michigan Wolverines football program. And I would love to promise you that that will be my last reference to the Michigan Wolverine National Championship football team, but I can't promise that because, honestly, even while prepping for this video, I kept getting distracted by cool videos and articles about the game last night. So I'm going to do my best, folks. Please bear with me, uh, but thank you for being here back in Hangouts and Headlines, and if you checked out the anniversary video we did for the Stroke Series uh, at the end of the year. I really appreciate that. That was an important video for me to get done. And I was so glad to see so many comments on people reflecting on our journey with the stroke recovery and also prevention for themselves and their families. So I'm really excited about today's episode. Thank you for being here. And for folks that aren't used to the Hangouts and Headlines format, because I think I did like five virtual legalities in a row, I do want you to know I added in the description this, but we do have a hangout section at the start of these episodes where we talk about things with the community, things that may or may not matter to the topic at hand, but we like to do that so that we can have fun with each other and continue to grow this community of hopefully reasonable minds that can differ on important questions like whether the Michigan Wolverines are awesome or not. Now, hopefully there's not a lot of difference there, but I do know we have some Buckeyes in the community. We have some Spartans in the community. We have some SEC fans, which is all fine. But the Michigan Wolverines are champions as of right now, and they will be for at least a year. So I'm very excited about that. Now, folks, where are you? I always say calling in from today, like I'm Frazier or something. But where are you chatting in from today? Where are you continuing to bask in the glow of the Michigan Wolverines football team? I'm very happy to see all of you here already. It's it's early in the morning, although it's a little bit later. My wife made the correct call when I was setting up this video yesterday that said, you're not going to get up for a nine o'clock episode. And I said, I'll be fine. And I would not have been ready for a nine o'clock episode at all. So thanks to her, we set it for 10 o'clock this morning and I am here ready to talk. We've got some folks sick in Calgary. That's sad. I'm very sad to hear that. It is winter in Canada. So I suspect it's even colder than usual. Wyoming is certainly chilly, according to Sentient Dreamer. Thank you for being here. I hope it's not too chilly. Livingston CA Politics and Issues says, I'm from the Central Valley of California. Fantastic. Chatting in from Orlando, Florida, House of the Mouse. Yep, got Mickey here. Definitely not Michigan licensed, but we'll be talking about licensing and intellectual property rights today. Good morning from West Lafayette, home of the Purdue Boilermakers. Believe me, in my history of Michigan fandom, I remember losing a fair number of very close games to Purdue uh, during debate tournaments and otherwise watching from afar. Um, so it's nice to hear from West Lafayette. Jess Rubri says chatting in from little roadie. I assume that's Rhode Island, but maybe I shouldn't assume. Judy, you got this coming in from Chile, Southern Arizona. I refuse to believe that Southern Arizona is as chilly as Southeast Michigan here, but maybe it is chilly. And certainly we have different standards of chilliness, right? You could watch the Rose Bowl with the Michigan Wolverines and Alabama Crimson Tide in it and see all those Pasadenans in like winter wear for what I believe was like 55 degrees or something along those lines. So absolutely. I hope you're not too chilly in Southern Arizona, Judy. Thank you so much for chatting. If you're like Frazier, does that mean you're listening? I am listening. I can't do the voice quite as well, but yes, I, I'm going to sign off to one of these episodes with good mental health. So we'll see. <laughs> Uh, Mama Me A4, snowy Wichita, Kansas. A lot of people in the snow, a lot of people chilly this morning. Marmar, I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia. 
Sean Conway, Colorado Springs. Marty says Milford where it's snowing. Yeah, we've got a little bit of ice and hail out my window right now. Dream Pillet and LH Orr both say from Mexico. I believe that's a little warmer than Michigan right now. So hopefully you're enjoying your time there. MZ against the tide. Oh, I was saying hi to against the tide. Great work modding behind the scenes. Against the tide is a fantastic mod, super helpful, and great at making very scary AI images of me. If you didn't see it on X, the site formerly known as Twitter, uh, this morning, uh, against the tide did an AI art piece of art that I didn't grab for this episode that has me as essentially a Mickey Mouse type figure that is both terrifying and strangely accurate. So please do check that out if you get the chance. And thank you against the tide for all of your hard work. Chell, thank you so much for gifting Hoglaw memberships. I haven't gotten to the pitch yet, but your sponsorships, your support through this channel, whether it's through engagement or chats like the ones we're talking about this morning, or through memberships or super chats or anything else, is what makes this channel possible, what makes my life possible, really, with my family and else. So thank you so much for all of that support. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much, Shell. And I, I don't know whether I missed any. I think there were a couple before the episode. Let's see what they had to say. Callista with the important messages, hail to the victors. Hail to the victors, Callista. Thank you. And Joe Beer, a member for 11 months. I don't do sports ball, but congrats. I don't blame anybody for not following American college sports. I think your life would be benefited by it. But I will say this. The, the, the feelings I have today are greatly enhanced by all the pain that Michigan football has caused me over my four decades of existence. So it kind of comes and goes, and you have to accept that pain to get to these feelings on the top of the mountain. So I like to think they won just for you. Winky face emoji, go blue, blue circle. Thank you, Joe. I'd like to think that too. My wife thinks that they deliberately lost the semifinal game last year because I was on a respirator during the game. So I don't know whether that's in fact the case, but it's nice to think about that way. Thank you so much, Joe. Diana B. As a Washingtonian, I'm a little hurt, but I love you. Yeah, I. it's sad that somebody always has to lose, right? I really like the Washington Huskies. I, I have people in the room with me that can vouch for this. I don't always like the teams Michigan plays, I can tell you that. But Washington, Michael Penix, that team, that aggression, the kind of clever use of screen passes and, and whatnot, I really like. And so I was glad to see my Wolverines win, but I am sad to see Washington have to lose. But we're going to get another chance to play this year in October, so look forward to that. All right. Now, let's see if I can hit these right buttons to get back to the list of folks chatting. Thank you for the gift shell again. Yes, absolutely. Um... Emily says, I'm here from a snowy Wisconsin, finally. Yeah, I, I guess I always assume Wisconsin in January is snowy. So it's good to know that that is, in fact, the case today. Sunny and cold in Denver, typical Colorado weather. Okay, thank you, June. <clears throat> Nevada here from Kim. Thank you so much, everybody. How was your <clears throat> break? We last did an episode here on the channel for that stroke series on December 30th. But before that, it was a week before. So it's been a while since I've chatted with you all. How are you all doing? How's life been? How were the holidays? Um, that was an area where I was of particular concern, concern. As you heard from that stroke series, I've been in therapy, talking with a professional about various things that have been happening in my recovery. And I was worried about the anniversary. I was worried about the holidays and everything turned out pretty well for me. HX Fear No Fish XG. I'm from Alabama. Thanks to Michigan for beating University of Alabama in the playoffs. The amount of distraught people I saw at work the next day was astounding. 
I take it you're not a Crimson Tide fan, Fear No Fish. Um, yes, I it, that was a heck of a game for me. Honestly, the one thing from this little playoff run that has not been great is that, as you know, I monitor my blood pressure pretty regularly now, and I would watch it creep up during the games. And even yesterday, which was a relatively smooth win for Michigan, they could have made it smoother, but they didn't. Um, it was still creeping up there in the middle of the game, and you get distraught looks from my wife and texts from my family saying, calm down, Rick, it'll be okay. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm going to have to watch it, watching my Michigan Wolverines in the future, because it is one of my more stressed out periods of time. So I'm glad that we could help you in Alabama. I, I'm glad that Michigan won the Rose Bowl and got to proceed to the national championship game, which they won last night. And thank you so much for being here this morning. Listening from Edmonton, Alberta. Good morning, Eliza. Burns, San Antonio, Texas. A little chilly, but not too bad. Wonderful. Eyes advises, at least you guys have sun. Sweden's on the same latitude as Anchorage. It's dark at 4 p.m. Yeah, uh, you know, Michigan, obviously not that far north, but we are on the far western side of the eastern time zone, if you can keep track of all that. So our sunsets are very early in the winter. Um, and that can get a, a little bit annoying, both to my wife and my kids, especially I've lived in Michigan my whole life. So it's just winter's dark. When you think of memories that happen in January or December, you think of darkness, or at least I do. Um, and so I understand that, but probably not as bad as Alaska or Sweden. So thank you. I spice against the tide with the important reminder, remember to set your chat to live chat and not top chat. That's the difference between letting YouTube tell you what you should see and not. So check out the live chat. Absolutely. Against the Tide, always great at reminding people of that. Thank you. Oh, and I got Diana B. as a hurt Washingtonian. I again apologize, but not too strongly. Shereen says, well, who go blue? They did great. They did do great. Uh, it, was a, it was a great game. Few fewer mistakes in the Alabama game. Still couldn't quite put away the game when I thought they could in the middle, but Washington's a tough team. They got a lot of good players. Mar Mar Ian was quite confused last night with the go blue comments. Oh yes. Well, I I'm in a chat with Ian, uh, and, uh, the other lawyers and dragons. Uh, and, uh, yes, he was making plenty of jokes about sports balling as was Travis on the Bitcast side of things. As you can imagine, the snarky non-sports ball fans were having fun at my expense last night, but I had the last laugh. Eddie, congrats to Michigan on their first national championship since 1948. Well, 1997. We can talk about Nebraska at some point. But, yeah. All joking aside, Hogue, uh, winky face emoji. I was rooting for blue heart, yellow heart. I agree with Mrs. Hogue about last year. This was for you watching. Thank you, Eddie. I really appreciate it. I'm going to try not to get too emotional about my, my sports ball team. But it was a heck of a night. Uh, Kelly C., a big Michigan fan like me. Washington had a good team. I hope Penix is okay. But Michigan, yeah, I hope Penix is okay, too. I honestly think they probably should have taken him out when the score got to three touchdowns. Uh, and he clearly had a rib injury of some kind. Um, but I think he's a fantastic quarterback, one of the best I've seen. That Texas game would put the fear of God in you watching it before last night's game. And thankfully, Michigan could get a little bit of pressure on him, uh, and that seemed to help the Michigan defense. But, yeah, I hope he's okay, too. I never want anybody to be injured playing a game for my pleasure, yeah. Mama Mia 4, my favorite Christmas gift was a Reasonable Minds Can Heal sweatshirt. Oh, thank you. This mindset has helped me on my healing journey this year. 
I'm sure it's helped many others. I, I really appreciate that. I'm so, so glad. You have no idea. I am, I, I only want to make something good come out of all of that that I've been through the last year. And if that's helping you, I am so, so thankful for that. So thank you for letting me know, Mama Me, as well. I really appreciate you didn't have to let me know. And thank you so much for that. Mrs. Hoglaw says, Team of Destiny. It was meant to be for Rick Hogas. Mrs. Hoglaw will just come into the room singing Mr. Brightside on occasion. Destiny is calling me. And so, yeah, I, I really appreciate that, honey. It's It's been a fun run. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself uh, now after this. And I don't know what I'm going to do with myself not being the beleaguered Michigan fan that can't get past Ohio State. So it's it's going to be an interesting new era as the Pac-12 dissolves and becomes part of the Big Ten as well. It's, it's a new world order out there. It's going to be interesting. Wheezy says, I started grad school this week. Congratulations, Wheezy. That's a big deal. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you have both an educational and fantastically fun time at school. Shreen, I'm hoping Hoglaw's blood pressure is okay now that Michigan won. Yeah, we seem to have gotten through the roughest part. Honestly, overtime in the Rose Bowl was probably as high as it got during this. But it is interesting to see my body react to things like watching a football game on television. So, yeah, I had to be pretty judicious with the Rose Bowl in particular. Yesterday was not as worrisome, even though at about halftime when it was a seven-point game, it was, it was concerning. I didn't share that with Mrs. Hoglaw at the time. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Michigan hasn't seen sun for days. We've gotten a few bits of sun for moments there. I know because my daughter keeps me apprised of it and asks why we live here from time to time, but, uh, she does get the sun on occasion, but yes, we mostly live in a cloud bank in the winters. Caden says the holidays were a bit mixed. I had a good time with family, but I lost my dog on the 28th. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm collecting her ashes tomorrow. So it's all feeling a little strange right now for me. I bet. Absolutely. We unfortunately lost a pet this last year as well. Um, and so that was a, that was a trying time, especially for my heightened emotionality. Uh, and I'm sorry to hear it. It's losing a family member. So I can understand why that created mixed feelings for you this holiday season. I hope, I hope you start feeling better soon. Shereen says, is there sunshine? I haven't seen it for a few months. Nick Levy, 86, size in Georgian. Well done. I respect the talent. Hey, Georgia, the two-time defending national champions before us, right? So, yeah, I, I think, honestly, Georgia in the SEC championship game was one where if that goes a different direction, they could have easily been playing last night. And honestly, Michigan, I love. I love my team. I think they would have beaten Georgia, but I wouldn't want to bet the house on it. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry you guys didn't get a chance at that. Gabriel says, well, since it was mentioned, hello from Sweden. Decently cold today. Been 10 to 20 degrees Celsius below freezing for a week, but today it's just a bit cold. Yeah, see, that's a different take on cold than the Pasadenans in the Rose Bowl. Uh, yeah, that that uh, that's even cold for this Michigander. So stay warm. Don't die of frostbite or anything. Kristen M96, congrats, Hogue, on the Michigan win. As a Clemson fan, I can understand the high you are on. Embrace it and get all the fun merch. It was like one of the first things I said to my wife is we're going to need some merch. Uh, so, yes, your super chats and memberships also help get Michigan merch that I promise not to just put on all of the streams and talk about Michigan football the whole time. 
That is, that is a firm promise for me. We're going to talk about law. We're going to talk about fun stuff, media, news reporting, law, intellectual property. That's what you're all here for, right? It's not just to talk to me about the Michigan Wolverines. Calista asks, aren't we losing a bunch of seniors after this year? Well, definitely Blake Corum. There's questions about the rest of the team. It's unclear what J.J. McCarthy is going to do, for instance. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know who's going to stay. It was a surprise that Blake Corum stayed, honestly, this last season. So it's clear that they are a very close-knit group. We don't know whether Jim Harbaugh will be coached next year. We don't know anything about Michigan Wolverines. We don't know what is going to happen with respect to the Big Ten. For those that don't know, the Pac-12 kind of dissolved on itself, and a lot of the teams from the Pac-12, including Washington, are joining the Big Ten next year. So the conference is going to look very different than it's looked my entire life. Uh, there aren't going to be the same divisions. Uh, the Ohio State game is going to have a different level of importance, probably lesser, but we don't know exactly uh, going into the future. So it's a very weird and transitionary time in college football as well as in my life and maybe in yours. So, yeah, it's it's weird to sit here after after that game, but I'm very excited about it. Weezy says, thanks, Hogue. It's rough after taking 10 years off to go back to school, but all online this go around. Yeah, well, good luck to that. Uh, I, I can understand any major change being a big, big deal. Believe me. So good luck to you. I hope you have a fantastic time at online or otherwise grad school. Shereen, oh, the Rose Bowl was painful. Alabama are a phenomenal team. Alabama is a very good team. And Michigan was doing its darndest to make sure Alabama stayed in that game. So, yeah, it was it was a lot to deal with. Judy, you got this. My kiddo has type 1 diabetes, and we have a pup from a litter born on Christmas Day to train for her, helping heal from losing our golden in my pick. Oh, yes, I'm very sorry to hear that, but I'm glad about the new puppy. Uh, we are very excited about doggos and puppies uh, on this channel, and I know in the rest of the YouTube lawyers environs. So please enjoy your puppy and, and helping that puppy be trained. So thank you for letting me know. Nick Levi 86, thank you for the super chat. Great to see your recovery year capped off with a University of Michigan win. As a Georgia fan, I accept anyone who beats Bama. Keep up the good work. I do think for credibility for Michigan, and certainly ESPN has already put up articles questioning whether Michigan is a legitimate national champion from all the stuff we talked about with Wild Stallions on this channel. But I do think that actually going through the SEC champion, which I think was not quite deserved, I think FSU probably deserved that spot from the CFP committee. Uh, is still helpful to the overall uh, feeling that Michigan earned its right to be there as the national champion, right? They went through Ohio State. They won the Big Ten. They went through the SEC champion. They went through the Pac-12 champion. Uh, they didn't have to play the Big 12 because there's only one game to play in the national championship, and Washington took out Texas. But I think Michigan is a deserved champion, and I think that's going to be more and more apparent as time goes on here. Has zero one says the sun isn't up in Edmonton yet. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Mrs. Hoglas has just ordered the championship merch. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I probably will wear a championship hat. I make no promises about that. Dorky Dane, hey Hog, congratulations with the win and looking so amazing. A year ago, I spent most of my time refreshing Twitter to hear updates. Smiling, rosy cheeked emoji. Oh, thank you, Dorky Dane. Uh, yes, I. Honestly, a year ago, I, I said this on Twitter last night, but I was convinced that Michigan was going to just show up at the national championship game, like the whole team, and just take the field uh, in replacement of TCU, and that everybody was going to be fine with that. 
uh, halfway through the game because I was on a lot of drugs in the hospital. Uh, and so it was a different experience this time, but I'm very glad to have gotten to experience it, certainly. Sarnisms asks, won't that make it the big 22 or something? Interestingly, for uh, institutions of higher education in America, we don't care about simple arithmetic. So the Big Ten actually has 14 teams in it right now. And they're going to add, I think, six more. So you'd think that's the Big 20. I like to think the Big Ten is just a reference to the original 10. Um, but yes, we are not going to change our name because of the importance of what? Branding, which is a great segue for talking about things like branding and intellectual property today. But yeah, we're the Big Ten that's had more than 10 teams basically my entire adult life. Wheezy, FYI, our team is Oklahoma, but my whole family was rooting for Michigan in your honor last night. I recall watching Ian's sports ball confusion. Oh, I recommend watching it last uh, last night. I will. I'll check out what Ian had to say about the game. Uh, but yeah, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma is a great team, and I've gotten to watch a lot of Oklahoma. I had friends that were rooting for Oklahoma. I had friends that were rooting for Oklahoma State at certain points in my life. So yeah, I know that that's not going to engender any goodwill from Wheezy and Oklahoma, but I've enjoyed watching their team a lot, and certainly they've given Texas fits for long enough to earn my trust. Uh, and Texas is not the favorite team in the Hogue House, primarily because Mrs. Hoaglaw is a USC Trojan fan and still resents Texas and Vince Young taking away her third national championship in a row, which the NCAA would have done anyway, but I'm going to get in trouble for even saying that. So, all right. SJ Hoglaw in the AM after Runkle last night. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to check out that Ian stream, definitely. All right. Don says, I watched the Runkle-hosted charity stream for Hogue from Radisson in Istanbul. That is still my most popular video from last year. I say my because it was on the channel, but obviously I was not involved in putting together that video or running it. They did such a great job, didn't they? I really am thankful for Ian and David and everyone else that showed up on that stream. Just Jay, Pac-2 just didn't doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah, and the NCAA College Football Playoff Committee decided that the Pac-2 doesn't get an entry as a power conference into the into the uh, playoffs. So it's going to be a, a long run to figuring out exactly what Oregon State and Washington State, the Pac-2, are going to do about that. But I feel bad for them. I, I would hate that if that were happening to the Big Ten. So, And Shireen, I think, keeps getting kicked off being a member of the channel by YouTube for some reason. So if you do want to be a member of the channel, please do check to see if you are. Uh, YouTube just occasionally does whatever it wants with the robots. And I think Shireen's been a member for as long as I can think of, but it's announcing it as a new YouTube member, which suggests to me that that membership got canceled at some point and has been reaffirmed right now. So please do check it out. Newt says, anyone else having minor audio sync issues or is, is just YouTube screwing with me? Uh, you know, I don't know. I It could be me. I, I'm, I'm still working on buttons pretty regularly, so I hope everything is synced up right. But if you do have problems, leave it in the comments. Let me know. Let Newt know. Might just be YouTube, might be StreamYard, might be any aspect of this. There's a lot of buttons to press. But hopefully, it's mostly coming through fine. And on that note, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Hang on one second here. As promised, we are going to talk about 
The Michigan Wolverines beating the Washington Huskies to win the national championship. No, that's not the article that you're here for. Michigan's crowning moment. The Michigan Wolverines remain undefeated and will stay that way forever because there's no more games to play. The team coached by Jim Harbaugh won the college football playoff on Monday night, beating the Washington Huskies to become national champions. Both teams went into the game with 14-0 records, but the Wolverines quickly began dominating on the field, scoring on their first possession. I wouldn't call it domination. They had some good runs, certainly, early on. The Wolverines had a fast start with two touchdowns and a field goal, and for a while held the Washington Huskies to just a field goal. The Huskies quickly made a comeback before the half, though, about three hours later in real time, scoring 10 to the Wolverines' 17. Uh, yes, so Michigan won is the point there. And then before we talk about what we're really going to talk about, I do want to mention that let me see if I can get the buttons here correct. I do want to mention uh, that this is a channel supported by viewers and listeners like you. Hopefully the podcasts are coming through now uh, more regularly than they used to be through the help of Podcast AI, which I've talked about here on the channel before. But if you want to support this channel, shows like this one, uh, please do check out our support tiers at Player and Patreon, as well as memberships here and through Super Chats, but don't feel obliged to do any of that. Certainly, I know the holidays just ended. Just want to mention it. So one, I remember to check the starred comments, which I will do right now. And also um, just to let people know that those are avenues that are available and hopefully linked in the description to this video. Uh, okay, let's see here. And then Shireen also wanted to comment, no member from the beginning of Hangouts and Headlines because I love this segment. Yeah, no, thank you, Shireen. And there's member for 14 months. So I really appreciate it. And yep, just make sure YouTube is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Sometimes it just hits buttons for you, whether that's ringing bells or saying I want notifications or I'm a member of this channel or I'm subscribed to that channel. I have it happen all the time. So for whatever reason, that needs to be checked by folks like you. And Shereen is verifying that there is a slight sync issue. So that could be on my end. That could be in the middle. I, I don't know that I can fix it on the fly, but I will try to make sure I talk a little bit slower so that the sync doesn't seem as obvious an issue. Yes, we'll try to do that. Uh, okay, so let's go on to talk about Steamboat Willie. And this is an article from a place called Tube Filter, which isn't a big public outlet online, but I wanted to use this one to talk about a few things. One, I subscribe to places like this because it helps talk about what YouTube's doing and what creators can do with algorithms and new rules on YouTube. And it's always a good idea to keep track of those things. But also because I want to talk about articles that kind of confirm your biases and still keeping track of what's happening within that article and how it's being reported and making sure to keep our critical thinking caps on during that. So Disney is still copyright claiming creators for posting Steamboat Willie is an article that kind of verifies what I figured would happen when Steamboat Willie joined the public domain. And we're going to be talking about that from a legal perspective a little bit as part of this video. This isn't a virtual legality. So one thing I'm going to mention is that my friend and colleague Alita over at Legal Bites did a great video called Why You Still Can't Use Steamboat Willie the Way You Think, Lawyer Explains, that you can check out. If you like Lawyers and Dragons, you'll see Alita in a somewhat different form here as a professional lawyer talking about legal issues like we do here. Um, and I'm going to talk about them a little differently than she does, but she also only does uh, eight, 10 minute videos on these kinds of things, legal bites. Uh, and I've never been able to pull that off. So if you've only got 10 minutes, you want to check out the legalese here, uh, please do check out that video. It should be linked in the description of this one. But before we get there, we're going to talk about public domain. So Steamboat Willie joined the public domain on January 1st of this year. 
And then that means a number of things that we're going to talk about. And it means a number of things that a lot of people think it means in a different way than they think it means it. So if that made any sense at all, on January 1st, 2024, as reported by TubeFilter, Disney's animated short Steamboat Willie, aka Mickey Mouse's debut, and Minnie, I think, entered the public domain, meaning any and everyone can post it, use it, and reference it wherever and however they'd like. Now, one, when you read an article like this from TubeFilter or Yahoo News or MSN or wherever else you find your news, and you see something that looks a lot like a legal opinion, take it with a grain of salt, right? Not only because this is probably not a lawyer reporting on these things, and so they may or may not know, but also because lawyers in general, when it comes to intellectual property questions, probably don't have the ability to say anything as definitive as this. And I highlighted it here because this is clearly wrong, right? Mickey Mouse cannot be used in any way that you like. And the notoriously litigious Disney can't do a thing to stop them, continues Tufelder. So this is an overly broad, incorrect legal statement to start the article, even though I'm also going to tell you that Disney was acting wrongly when they started copyright claiming things over here. This is still an incorrect description of what's happening with respect to Steamboat Willie. And we'll talk about why as part of this video. Uh, but in short, the fact that Mickey Mouse in Steamboat Willie comes out into the public domain doesn't mean you can just suddenly use Mickey Mouse or even Steamboat Willie uh, as a concept for whatever reason you might like. Particularly because even though this is a copyright question, and copyright, remember, is the intellectual property that protects a creative work in its entirety, uh, Mickey Mouse actually whistling on this boat and the events of Steamboat Willie and the way that it's drawn, it doesn't apply to things that are otherwise trademarked or of use in terms of identifying the creator of certain goods or services. And we'll talk about this a little bit more again later, but it's important to note that that's not what's happening here. Copyright becomes public domain, doesn't change things on the way trademarks work, which is what makes the second paragraph of this article even more confusing. Because of how trademark works, Steamboat Willie entering the public domain means Mickey Mouse, that specific 1928 version of him featured in the film, is also now out there in the wild. Now, I have no idea what the thought process is here to say because of how trademark works. This has nothing to do with trademark. Trademark does not have a public domain concept, right? Trademark is the intellectual property, the brand names, the images, the word Disney uh, in most contexts that you can think of. Um, means that Disney is the creator of this thing. It is the maker of this thing. It's a mark showing that they are the progenitors of this good or service in trade. It's a trademark. Um, and it is not the same as copyright. You can't lose trademark over the course of a specific amount of years. If it becomes diluted or otherwise confused in certain ways, you can lose it because it's no longer effective to say that it's from you, which is why you see some, certain of these companies police trademark in certain ways across the internet and otherwise. But because of how trademark works here makes no sense at all. So we've got two major legal problems in the first couple of paragraphs of this article. And again, an article that basically uh, is confirming what I would suspect had happened with Disney and, and what I feel about Disney and multinational corporations dealing with things like Content ID on YouTube. And yet we can still read the article and say, okay, so we're wildly off base here just in the description of what's happening. Although the parenthetical here is interesting because you see that they do understand that something is happening with respect to Steamboat Willie that is important for people to know. The specific 1928 version of him featured in the film is all that is released out into the wild. And that isn't fully accurate, but it is important enough for us to discuss right here, which is to say, one of the things that people miss with respect to Steamboat Willie becoming in the public domain is that 
Mickey Mouse is now just available to use for whatever reason you might want. And that is wildly incorrect, right? At bare minimum, the only version of Mickey Mouse that is available is the version that appeared in Steamboat Willie. So you can see it as depicted here, black and white. Doesn't mean you have to keep him black and white, but it does mean that to the extent that color is added later or other aspects like his gloves or even his voice in future iterations of Mickey Mouse aren't in the public domain right now. So you wouldn't necessarily want to use them as part of your use of the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse. You'd want to color his pants differently. You'd want to do those various other things to make sure you're not infringing on what is still under protection, right? Said another way, Mickey Mouse in 1928 comes into the public domain, but not Mickey Mouse in 2023, not Mickey Mouse in 1990, not Mickey Mouse at any point after the 1928 version. So anything that got added by Disney is not available in the public domain right now. And certainly that's something that people have to think about when they're using Steamboat Willie. But one thing that we do know is if you're using Steamboat Willie directly, you should be okay because the actual film itself is in the public domain, including its soundtrack. But we're seeing that that isn't the case on YouTube. So why are we seeing that? Well, for one, we're seeing it because of something called Content ID. Um, and I want to get to the place in this article where they talk about Content ID, but we'll see if we get there. Um, and we'll get there in the next article, which is what this article is actually kind of based on, which is an article from Inside the Magic that talks about this same issue and says, it would be impossible for a media conglomerate like the Walt Disney Company to catch every illegal use of its intellectual property online. To account for this, YouTube and other content platforms have automat automatic copyright strike systems. And it's not just copyright strikes, right? The, the question here isn't just a strike. It's, it's also a claim. And we can talk about the difference there, but that's because of content ID. When a creator uploads a video or live stream, it's scanned by content ID for an, any material in the site's copyrighted content library. But as the oldest Disney characters and shorts finally enter the public domain, content ID hasn't caught up. Now, content ID isn't Skynet. It isn't an artificial intelligence that determines what copyright is. So I don't know what this sentence means. Content ID is a library that is maintained by the copyright owners. So Walt Disney, at some point in the past, put Steamboat Willie into this database at YouTube, and then YouTube goes and checks every video that gets uploaded to see if there's Steamboat Willie clips used. And YouTube wouldn't otherwise know that Steamboat Willie enters the public domain on January 1st of this year. That's something that Disney and its lawyers would have to manage. So I don't really think it's right to say content ID hasn't caught up. It's not YouTube's job for the most part. The Walt Disney Company and YouTube are still automatically filing claims against creators who use Steamboat Willie. A YouTube representative told Hoover he needed to use the platform's appeal system to correct the error, which takes a week to process. He felt creators shouldn't have to wait that long for a decision already made by United States copyright law, uh, which is fair. But certainly, I think that when we talk about this, YouTube is basically going to wipe its hands of looking at this issue at all. And why is that? That's because of all the reasons we say in Virtual Legality, intellectual property is not an obvious question. It's not a clear yes or no in most cases. So when we talk about issues like this, we see circumstances where the platform doesn't want to get involved. And why doesn't it want to get involved? Because the DMCA tells it not to get involved. So let's talk about the DMCA a little bit. First, in general, a service provider, which you can read as YouTube here whenever we say service provider, a service provider shall not be liable for infringement of copyright by reason of the storage at the direction of a user or of material. That's that's a creator of a YouTube video that resides on a system or network controlled or operated by or for the service provider if the service provider 
does not have actual knowledge that it's infringing, and upon notification of claimed infringement as described in paragraph three, with specific roles we'll talk about, responds expeditiously to remove or disable access to the material that is claimed to be infringing or to be the subject of infringing activity. So what does this law do in practice, right? And we've talked about the DMCA a lot in this space. But what it does in practice, it says, YouTube, don't evaluate anything. If you get a notice that follows what we say here, the elements of notification, and you take it down immediately, then you're not going to be liable for infringement. If you don't, well, we don't know. Uh, and you might be liable. So any platform that is concerned about liability, and they should be because infringing liability against a multinational corporation like Disney can add up to lots and lots of money very, very quickly, then they're going to take it down if they get any kind of notice that complies with the DMCA. And YouTube has followed that to the letter uh, almost every time, right? We're going to look at an article, uh, an abstract of an article from an intellectual property research paper in just a second that says YouTube somewhere like 97% that when they get a notice, they take down 97% of the time, something along those lines. And the notice is supposed to say things like, we identify the copyrighted work, claim to have been infringed, and we have good faith belief that the use is not authorized by us, our agent, or the law, which is not something that Disney can say with respect to public domain. But when we talk about automated systems, it's something that probably these corporations can get around some of these issues because they aren't making an affirmative case at that moment in time, even though they would have when they put it in the in the, uh, in the database. So what we're looking at is a situation where Disney can plausibly claim, not so much now after it's been in news articles like the ones we're looking at today, uh, but can plausibly claim that essentially, oh, they forgot to take it out on January 1st because honestly it's a 95 year period. So we're not keeping that close of a track of these things. And whether or not you believe them or not, and I think there's reason to not necessarily believe that kind of claim, it's not the kind of thing that's likely to get them in trouble in the law. And certainly it's not the kind of thing that someone's likely to take them into a, a lawsuit over, right? We've got a YouTuber here that's got lots of views, but isn't worth fighting a lawsuit against Disney on this. So they go to Twitter and they complain about it and they get articles written about it, with which has a lot of wrong legal information. But it's still a situation where the corporation is going to have the bigger chip stack at the table and it's unlikely to get fought on these grounds. And as we've talked about with respect to the DMCA itself, the actual penalty for misrepresentations here any person who knowingly and materially misrepresents under the section that material or activity is infringing shall be liable for any damages is not really anything that is something that's going to prevent a company of any kind from dealing out copyright claims or copyright strikes in this fashion because knowingly and materially is such a high standard under the law that's very difficult to meet. You still don't want to get into a lawsuit with Disney. And at the end of the day, it's unclear what damages you've actually experienced because the terms and conditions that you as a creator have entered into with YouTube says YouTube doesn't have to put anything particular on its service. So if it removes you from the service, you're not actually damaged by them. You just are complying with their terms and conditions and they're allowed to take down whatever it is that they want to take down for basically any reason. So this is not a great protection for people that are operating in the content creator sphere. And I've said this a lot in virtual legality and now in Hangouts and Headlines. So people need to know that when they create content on a place like YouTube, and obviously you can still make the choice to do that as I do, knowing certain bits of pieces of all this, but Content ID is one of the reasons why we don't do video clips on this channel. And we'll talk about Content ID more in just a second. Now, if this all happens, uh, YouTube also is no, has no liability for any person for removing their content, regardless of whether the material or activity is ultimately determined to be infringing. Right. So all of this law is built around the concept of YouTube. Don't think about it. 
If you get a notice, just take it down and you aren't liable for infringement and you aren't liable for the person whose content you took down. And so YouTube says, okay, Congress, if that's what you want us to do, we won't think about it at all. And then you get articles like this one that says, hey, it's not up to us, talk to Disney. And that's right, they should talk to Disney, but there needs to be a little bit greater teeth on protections against abusive claims because the legal system is not a great form of redress when you're fighting a multinational corporation over their intellectual property. Not the least of which, because these questions aren't always as obvious as they might seem to you or me. Uh, and I think that's all I wanted to claim from the DMCA here. I've kind of bounced around the various things that I wanted to touch on. So let's go back to the article here at Inside the Magic and talk about content ID. So YouTube Operations Guide, using content ID. For those of you that don't make YouTube content regularly or maybe don't think about this as much as some of us, Content ID is actually, in my opinion, a good thing, right? It's very easy for creators in this space to infringe on intellectual property, particularly music, when they don't have legal background or they don't know better, or in some cases they don't care. But let's assume good faith from the people that want to create content. They don't necessarily know what they can and can't use. So YouTube created a system that is adjacent to what we just read in the DMCA, but isn't identical to it. So content ID, as described by YouTube, is YouTube's automated scalable system that enables copyright owners to identify YouTube videos that include content they own. YouTube only grants content ID to copyright owners who meet specific criteria. To be approved, you must own exclusive rights to a substantial body of original material that is frequently uploaded by the YouTube user community. So in other words, Disney is going to get protection here and probably not you or I. We can't just upload our videos and say, hey, look for people to copy these things. So one of the reasons you can see me commenting on things on other people's channels that take more than clips and just republish my videos in certain capacities, and there's very little I can do about it. Now, the major steps for using Content ID are you set up your content owner. Okay, I'm Disney. You deliver content to YouTube. All right, here's Steamboat Willie. And we check whenever anybody uploads anything to see if there's a problem. And then you tell us whether you want it claimed or struck, or you want the revenues from the video that uses it. And if you go through anybody who makes videos, you'll see various monetization signs or no monetization or copyright claim. Interestingly, if you watch the BitCast, the audio from our intro, which is licensed by the BitCast in Seasoned Gaming, is somehow a part of the content ID claim. So all of those videos wind up getting claimed, which is fine because Ains in Seasoned Gaming doesn't monetize those episodes, but it still shows up as content infringement on all of the videos that appear on the BitCast on this channel, which is something... I'm, I've talked to him about, but we'll get through eventually. And how does YouTube police this? Well, they claim they police it pretty aggressively, but I've never seen evidence of that. When you enable a piece of content for content ID matching, YouTube automatically generates claims against other users' uploaded content that matches portions of the reference file you provide. Not all content is appropriate for claiming through content ID. You must not use the system to claim content for which you don't have sufficient rights. Yes, if I go and try to claim that I own Star Wars, that would be a problem. You're responsible for avoiding incorrect results, such as claims that result from misidentified content or claims that interfere with authorized uses of content. Now, this is important, right? Because we do see this happen through the content ID system that the actual owners of copyrighted works don't do a great job of this. This sentence means, hey, if you go and license somebody the right to use your music, for instance, you should take it out of content ID because otherwise we're going to flag every use of this and you've licensed it by contract. And people aren't very good at doing that in my experience. 
Now, YouTube takes action to address cases of abuse and error in the content ID system. This includes disabling specific reference files or segments of reference files and releasing all associated claims, requiring manual review for certain categories of references. For instance, if you're abusing it a lot, we're not going to do it automatically anymore. We're going to have a person look at it. Disabling content ID, you're just not allowed to use it, or even terminating your YouTube partnership. Now, that wouldn't happen with Disney, right? Disney's too big for YouTube to do that. But it is possible in the background that YouTube said to Disney, hey, we're getting articles about this. We look like the bad guy. You should take this out of the content ID system and that Disney might respond to com comments from YouTube like that. But outside of this, I haven't seen YouTube actually taking aggressive action against any major entity like a studio or a label uh, in the past. So this is to be taken with a grain of salt. But YouTube does claim that they police it for abuse. And this would be an abusive kind of use. If you were following this, people have mentioned to me that Kurt at Uncivil Law had an issue with his stream of Steamboat Willie. Uh, and we've seen the references to other creators on these uh, in these articles. And all of those are not things that should have happened if Disney and YouTube were operating correctly. But I'm sympathetic to YouTube insofar as Congress has put forth these incentives that say, hey, don't think about it. Just take it down. And YouTube's just saying, hey, we're not going to think about it. We're just going to take it down. Now, while I'm sympathetic there, it's worth noting that content ID is not strictly DMCA. As you might notice, an automated concept does not have this element of notification. Even if you kind of try to pre-notify for use of the content ID system, it's not the same as DMCA. So what the copyright and intellectual property folks tend to call the YouTube system and other systems like it is DMCA+. So if you're looking for more information on this particular topic, you want to look up the phrase DMCA+. And I've pulled up an abstract of an article here called The Rise of the Robo-Notice, which talks about this a little bit and references everything we just talked about with respect to the DMCA and describes it as one entrepreneur put it in our recent study of these issues that notice and takedown was written into the DNA of the internet sector. In 2009, Google's search service received less than 100 takedown requests. In 2014, it received 345 million requests. And this article is from 2015, so advances another decade. As automated notices overwhelmed small legal teams, targeted services lost the ability to fully vet the complaints they received. Because companies exposed themselves to high statutory penalties if they ignored valid complaints, the safest path afforded by the DMCA was to remove all targeted material, which is what we just talked about. Some companies did so. Some responded by developing automated triage procedures that prioritized high-risk notices for human review, most commonly those sent by individuals. The DMCA plus measures included the use of content filtering systems such as YouTube's content ID, and Audible Magic. They included special takedown privileges for trusted senders. We saw that even in the description of Content ID, right? That we're only going to give this to people with a large body of protectable material, expanded profiling of users, restrictive terms of service, modifications to search functionality, and other approaches that stretched beyond the DMCA's requirements. So <clears throat> as described here, what is Content ID? It's something that's helpful to creators because it's hard for us to know exactly what is infringing and what content is going to be a problem for other folks. And it's better to not just be banned from doing user uploads through things like YouTube. So if a company wants to claim revenue, that's going to be an okay kind of compromise in many situations, but it's bad in that it's allowing more powers to the copyright holders than the DMCA requires. And then having YouTube lean on essentially the DMCA protections to say, we wash our hands of it. So YouTube created something that was stronger than the DMCA needed and then said, well, the DMCA tells us that we shouldn't think about what's getting removed, which is kind of having your cake and eating it too. And I think it is a problem for folks like this. But when you've got Disney out there not taking out things in the public domain when they should, 
YouTube is both falling on the DMCA to say, hey, it's not our problem, while allowing Disney to have a fully mechanized robotic ability to take these things down without even having to go through the fully statutory process. Today, for online services with significant copyright exposure, the DMCA's procedural balance is, practically speaking, obsolete in the opinion of this article's authors. Practices shift the balance of protection from users to rights holders and hold out the statutory remedies as, at best, last resorts for users and services. And I think if you follow these topics in this space or any other space, uh, you will see that that does appear to be, the, in fact, the case, right? That content creators can be in the right. People that are trying very hard to follow fair use rules, for instance, can get clipped by a content ID claim that doesn't actually analyze whether the use is fair or not. And YouTube will say, it's not up to us. Go complain to whoever owns the rights. And that isn't a terribly effective solution for what is a fast-moving environment on YouTube and with strikes and things that can absolutely jeopardize your livelihood either on the service or in life in general if you're a really big YouTuber. So when we talk about these things, I think it is important to note how the incentives line up both for YouTube and the content creators and why uh, big studios like Disney could be abusive in this capacity as we've seen other people use the DMCA and take down requests in a similarly abusive fashion. Google takes down 97.5% of requests. This was as of 2015. So I don't know what changed or not, but, but the purpose of this article is to advocate for changes. And so policy implications are by the author. Automation has transformed notice and notice down from the targeted ground to specific infringement into a larger strategy for limiting access to infringing content. At one level, this looks like a group of seven percent, and then the scale is high against resilient and limited jurisdictional file sharing Stronger liability for reckless reckless malicious notice use might be a good step in stepping worse notice practices, which can include deceptive self-predatory behavior. Put more teeth on the DMCA and or use of DMCA plus techniques. Both copyright and freedom of expression are best served by clear statutory protection and human judgment regarding the context and purposes. Now that actually sounds like advocating for a removal of the automated system. And I don't know whether that, whether that in fact makes sense. I think YouTube is too big. I think they have too much content that's going up. Oh no, what is a robot? Am I a robot? Oh, why are you coming in here? I sound crunchy. Thanks, Mr. Hope. I sound crunchy. crunchy. All right. Well, folks, sorry. sorry. I apparently, I apparently sound, crunchy. sound crunchy. I apologize for that. Uh, I never want to sound crunchy exactly, but here we are. Uh, Don, Don did a stream too. His stream got copyright stricken midstream, then they cut it off and deleted it. He fought them for days and got it fixed. Yeah, I'm going to mention here at the end that there is a slightly happy ending to this story, even though it's not fair to the people that interacted with Disney for this first week of January. Um, Marvin, thank you for the super chat. Hey, Hogue, peace and love from Wichita, Kansas. Thank you, Marvin. I really appreciate it. Crazy Cat Queen says, I'm late. Congrats on your Wolverines. I'm so excited about the Wolverines. Thank you, Crazy Cat Queen, and thank you for the super chat. Um, I really appreciate it, everybody. I'm sorry if, for whatever reason, my voice is getting crunchy. Um, but, yes, if my mic is breaking or if the internet is breaking, I apologize. Shiraz, thank you for gifting the 5 Hope Lab memberships. And... 
Uh, Dell says, Judy, you got this. Haven't seen your stuff at the bar for commentary. Is higher than many creators claim. Uh, in terms of fair use, right? Well, one thing is, while we're talking about fair use as a kind of reference point here with respect to intellectual property and content ID, that's different than public domain. Public domain means the copyright no longer protects it. So you should be able to just play Steamboat Willie. Now, there are open questions about what you can do with Mickey Mouse and various aspects of Steamboat Willie in terms of incorporating it into your thumbnails or otherwise using it in a fashion that is different from just playing the movie. But playing the movie itself should not be playing in a particular capacity, certainly. certainly. Uh, Shireen says, my son's YouTube channel is a gamer football channel. It's 100% original, but he gets so many copyright claims. It is annoying for these young creators that don't have knowledge of what is copyright. Yeah, and I think you'll see that a lot. Is these various owners of certain materials will just claim things that aren't necessarily claimable and say, hey, you're going to have to fight us in court. Nobody has the money or the wherewithal to do that, which is not a great use of the justice system. But we do see that pretty regularly, and I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't happen. So... I think one of the things that I've mentioned before is that if you watch like an NFL broadcast uh, of a football game here in America, you'll see a commercial sometime during like the third or fourth quarter that says any account of this game is prohibited by the NFL, which is not something that they can actually enforce, but they might try. And at that point, you're not likely to get into a lawsuit with the NFL. And so they know that they can use the expensiveness of the justice system and various other aspects of all of this to try to enforce things that are effectively unenforceable. Uh, and I think that's a problem for everybody, and we should talk about it, about it more often, more often. Um, um, because, because it's worth talking about. And Mary Jane Tracy has the issue, too, on that, too, on that video that I just referenced. Uh, Mary Jane says they did a video on copyright and then copyright structure. Well, I mean, I, I hope she doesn't. I haven't heard that, but I, I do still have the video up. I'll link to the description of this video that you can see from Alita's channel. I actually thought she did a pretty good job of just showing the Steamboat Willie and avoiding some of the other issues. But one of the things that I've said in the past is that there aren't videos clips on this channel. And part of that is because of an ID, right? That I don't trust the system to be able to ascertain whether I'm using something for fair use reasons. And I'm not in the business of making edited videos, you know, as part anyway. So I don't risk it with clips like that. And so you'll see people sometimes come on this show or other shows on the channel and try to put clips on. And usually I'll say no because I just try to avoid those kinds of clips. So. All right, yeah, yeah. So I'm so getting a lot of reports that the audio is bad. I'm sorry about that. I'm getting no indications that my internet is a problem. I don't know whether the microphone is an issue. Um, the computer seems to be working fine, so I apologize for all of that. But let's cover a couple of the last beats I wanted to cover as part of this conversation, and then we can answer questions, and my wife can come back in and tell me I'm crunchy again. All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about public domain, and exactly what it means for using Mickey Mouse and Steamboat Willie. And the entry point I like for this is a conversation that we had in virtual legality a little while back about Netflix and the Enola Holmes movie. And if you don't remember this, this was the movie that was starring Eleven from Stranger Things. I think it's Millie Bobby Brown. And Netflix wound up getting sued by the Arthur Conan Doyle estate because Enola Holmes and certain aspects of the Sherlock Holmes character weren't released into the public domain 
as of the time that they were making this movie, or as it is reported here by Gottlieb Brackman and Wiseman in a kind of client understanding article. And you can find these all across the internet if you're interested in questions like this, and you don't want to wait for virtual legality to be done. In the original Sherlock Holmes story, Sherlock's only sibling is his brother, Mike Rycroft. But Enola was adequately spit on Sarah as young adult fiction novels authored by Nancy Spirit, Enola Holmes Mysteries. This past day, Glenn Duff looks at how to plans to adopt the Enola Holmes Mysteries Mysteries years ago. He stated that Stephen Arthur Conan Doyle, the original author and creator of the Sherlock Holmes characters and stories, filed a lawsuit against Springer Network in a federal court in New Mexico in June, on June 23, 2020, alleging alleged copyright and trademark infringement. The new case presents a curious issue because the original Sherlock Holmes characters in the public domain, Arthur Conan Doyle published the first Sherlock Holmes story in 1887 and was last in 1927. There were 56 stories in all, plus four novels. The final 10 stories were stories between 1923 and 1927. As a result of statutory extensions of copyright protection, culminating in the 1998 Copyright Extension Act, the American copyrights on those final stories will not expire until 95 years after the date of the publication. 95 years years is the date you should remember on those things. There's some differences depending on when they were published and how exactly they were published, but 95 years is the basic number you remember. So between 2020 and 2022, depending on the publication date of each story, those will have a point of view as well. The copyrights of the other 46 stories and novels, all being working worse before 1993, have expired. So the issue in the case was, whether copyright protection of a fictional character can be extended beyond the expiration of a copyright on it, because the author authored copyright on the section of work. In other words, since the original work of working Sherlock Holmes bounds the public domain upon the expiration of their copyright terms, terms, does the creation of such a derivative works involving the same character bring the character as the in those public domain works back into the realm of copyright protection? The Seventh Circuit said no. You would think it would be no because you couldn't otherwise back into extension by just constantly updating a character. So, so. The Seventh Circuit Court of Appeal feels cautious, cautious to add that copyrights and derivative works secure protection only for the incremental additions of originality contributed by the authors of the derivative works. So only original elements added in the later stories remain protected like the Copyright Act. So to the extent that these things change something in Mickey Mouse, perhaps there's kind of a willy that's still protected, but the Mickey Mouse, as it appears in Steve Mouse, will have a willy is not. Same with things like Winnie the Pooh and Winnie the Pooh's name choice anyway, because that was that worth based on the book. And like so much of this, this part of the irony or interest in this story is that much of Disney's wealth and stature itself was built on public domain stories, right? Disney did not originate Snake Bite. Disney did not originate original Mermaid. Disney did not originate the stories of Aladdin or whatever else turned out love and Disney's kind of blue. And so Disney used public domain works to make its hay. And now it's having a little bit of issue with public domain in and of itself. While book, while book and movie titles and character names are copyrighted under prohibition against copywriting words and short phrases, phrases. So you can't copyright super short short things. Characters and titles in books and film series can be trademarked if secondary meaning can be established. For example, there's no doubt that consumers understand that the Walt Disney Company is the source of all things in Mickey Mouse. And so Mickey Mouse will not be protected under the Lanham Act, that's the trademark act of the Even after the first Mickey Mouse publication, Steve Willie in 1998 falls in the halls of domain in three years. Meaning you can't use Mickey Mouse house willy-nilly to designate things like products that are put out there in the market because it's going to seem like it's a Disney product. And that's not allowed. The protection that he gets from trademark is to not be confused in the marketplace about where goods or services are originating from. 
indeed trademark law office in Miami's collection. Do owners of all these creative works that are on the public domain? Particularly characters that are visually illustrated, like Stephen House or Sherlock Holmes. There are a lot of visual illustrations of Sherlock Holmes. Holmes is just the cat, the cat, right? Right. In the 1979 case contains Peter Rabbit and other stories, which featured a number of short stories authored by Peter Rabbit's creator, Beatrix Potter, that had fallen into the public domain, as well as several redrawings of the original illustrations and cover art. The Southern District of New York denied the defendant's motion to dismiss the trademark claims, meaning they could be protected under trademark, holding that the fact that a copyrightable character of de or design has fallen into the public domain should not preclude protection under the trademark laws so long as it is shown to have acquired independent trademark significance, identifying in some way the source or sponsorship of the goods. A character deemed an artistic creation deserving copyright protection may also serve to identify the creator, thus meriting protection under theories of trademark or unfair competition. Now, it's a little bit tricky to do, and one of the things we've talked about with respect to Mickey Mouse, which is a trademark term, so the actual phrase Mickey Mouse is not one that you're likely to see in various ways in these content creations or in movies about the Steamboat Willie Mickey or anything else, is that when you copyright protect something like Steamboat Willie, um, the trademark itself is not necessarily going to just bounce out of that. Mickey Mouse represents what? Does it represent Disney? Does it represent Disney in specific contexts like theme parks? Trademark is always in respect of a certain type of good or service. And so while Disney has protection for Mickey Mouse on some of these things, it wouldn't have protection for other of these things. And so it's a little bit, a little bit more complicated than you can use the broad description here. But you saw Disney try to add this kind of little clip clip the front of the animated movies over the past, past decade or so. So if you think about watching, watching Frozen, probably has that in Moana, that level of work. Disney movie has Steamboat Willie kind of singing, singing, whistling, whistling at the front of their movies. movies. That was designed to make Steamboat Willie means Disney has a trademark kind of clip, clip. Uh, but, but that isn't the kind of thing that the content ID might be or uh, DMCA is designed to protect against anyway. The C in DMCA is copyright, uh, and it's not designed to be a kind of trademark takedown down sound set. And so there's a lot going on here, and there's certainly a lot, a lot that you'd be worried about if you're a creator dealing with Disney. The Doyle Estate Christie claims to be based entirely on the same use and experience for him in our home novels were published in 2006. Nearly 15 years before the suit was filed, meaning that you're not allowed to just sit on your hands and say, I don't want to sue Springer because you're not worth suing, but I'll sue him anyway because my book is not a lot of money. Courts don't like that. Now, like most civil concepts here, this did wind up ending and ending and a happy ending in some extent as well. They used to settle it shortly after all this happened. Obviously, we've seen the movies on Netflix. But as, as Green Rant here knows, while the term of the settlement is not disclosed in the New Mexico federal court dismissed the lawsuit on Friday, now that the lawsuit has been settled, it's still unclear whether the settlement did infringe on copyright material. So, so a lot of the questions that we ask and raise and discuss here in virtual reality don't get answered because these parties don't have a reason to go through this whole process just to wind up with an answer they don't like or spend money on lawyers for years to get to an answer they do like. And so they settle almost everything on a civil case basis like this one. Uh, and we don't get answers to the legal questions raised by these parties. So we don't get those answers. Oh, did somebody pop on? Is that Ian? Ian, did I even sign a link here? Okay, okay. we're going to let Ian sit in the background, I guess. I guess. Um, but um, if he pops on, I'd put him on. Um, and so, so there's lots, lots, there's lots of things.
to be considering here with the intellectual property. property. And I do apologize uh, for whatever's happening with respect to my microphone. Uh, I know a lot of people are referencing it in the comments, so sorry about that. Audio is indecipherable. Well, I'm sorry about that too. I think I, I think I really made some really good points here. Whatever you couldn't understand in terms of the internet was really brilliant and really clarified all of the issues here with respect to what's happening. So I apologize for you missing that. Love this channel and Hoag, so we'll stick around, but not able to understand much with the audio issues. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I, I don't, I'm sorry about that. Maybe I should say it's player and Patreon and memberships and super chats for the new microphone, but I think the mic is okay. So I will check with it. Sorry about that. Hanging in, solidarity for Aquahog. I'd suggest unplugging and reconnecting the mic. I'll, I'll, I'll look for that. Let's see. Hang on. All right. Well, I'm really sorry about the middle portion there where I talked all the law stuff and apparently it was hard to understand. I am really apologetic for that. I promise it was good stuff. <laughs> yes, we'll blame the Wolverines. Uh, no, I mean, I guess sometimes it just happens with the mic. I should have tried that earlier. I just didn't know. Um, uh, how to do it best. So sorry. Yes, that's right. It was all a metaphor. It's all performance piece. The law is hard to understand. So I wanted to really depict that with the audio on this video. So thank you. Point being watching all the homes. The point of that particular section of the video, in case you didn't catch it, is that there were lawsuits. There are lawsuits about changes in the incremental uhness of a character that comes into the public domain over the course of a period of time. Right. So Sherlock Holmes had a lot of stories written about him. And so he came into the public domain piece by piece. And when Netflix wanted to do something that had a more emotional Sherlock Holmes in it, essentially the uh Conan Doyle estate said, no, no, emotional Sherlock Holmes was only introduced in the stories that are not yet in public domain. And so you have to be careful of all of those things to avoid lawsuits. But at the end of the day, nobody wants to get into a lawsuit with Disney anyway. Uh, and Don says, now go back and do the law again, please. I don't know if I could, uh, but I really appreciate it. Um, I caught the important stuff. 95 years and people can keep settling before we can test stuff. Yep. Yep. People do settle before we can test stuff. That was part of what I wanted to discuss. Certainly uh, is that settlements happen before we get the, an the answers to these legal questions. If you're ever wondering, you're in a virtual legality, you're on legal bites, wherever you might find yourself uh, that you get to, a place that says, um, I know the answer to this question on intellectual property or otherwise, probably they don't. And probably even if you get a lawsuit that seems like it might answer the question, it will still be in the party's best interest to settle it at some point before we get a full answer to the legal end game, right? So as Aldo says here, copyright law is what they call, quote unquote, squishy. Yeah. Copyright law is squishy. Most law is squishy. And that's because the system that we have means that we only get legal answers when it makes sense for the parties to essentially fight in court 
which from an economics and law type of perspective only happens when one side or the other has a real misunderstanding of what their chances of success are, right? If everybody has perfect information about their chances of success, then you'll settle it every time because with perfect understanding, you don't want to just pay lawyers to get to a place where you're going to owe money or be owed money anyway. You'll, you'll skip the paying lawyers part and society isn't as benefited because you don't get an answer to that question, but it's not your job as Disney or content creator X to settle questions for society. You're just trying to figure out what makes sense for you. So yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I'm just sorry about how you'll feel when you listen back to it, Hoglaw. Uh, yay for sorting it all out. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's the lame part, right? As you go through these things and you don't have them be as perfect as you want, but doing my best. And I'm, I'm happy with all the content we put out here. I'll try to put all the descriptions, all the articles that I've referenced, everything here in the description of the video. And I'm sorry that it didn't come out a little bit clearer during the middle portion of this video. That's my fault. Uh, and so I will try to make sure that that doesn't happen again, but these kinds of things do happen with tech, unfortunately. So there you go. Papa Rick says my audio stopped because I forgot my other Bluetooth headset was on, lol. Well, apparently you didn't miss much in the middle, but hopefully that doesn't happen again. So thank you everybody for being here. If you have any questions on what I discussed, and I, I suspect some of you will because of the middle portion there, please let me know. I think this is important stuff. And I think we can understand why YouTube acts the way it does. We can understand why Disney acts the way it does. Certainly we would want to see Disney get to a place where they are removing things in the public domain as soon as they become in the public domain, but they do have a lot of intellectual property. And I think it is worth noting here, at least, that from what we have seen, Disney appears to be backing down from this and has figured out that Steamboat Willie Clips, especially, shouldn't be struck by Content ID. So we do have an article here from Mashable, says Disney backs down from Steamboat Willie YouTube copyright claim. And this will probably be an ongoing story because certain creators will try to push the issue here and Disney will likely respond. I can't give legal advice in this context, um, but Disney is a notoriously litigious company, and so they might respond overly aggressively on some of these points, and it's worth kind of noting exactly what they do. And even though they're backing down on the automatic claims, I would expect them to still be policing this pretty aggressively in the space. So in answer to the question posed by the video, content creators are still at risk because content creators aren't always the best at knowing where the fair use line is, knowing where the public domain line is. And certainly with something like Mickey Mouse, which is very important to the Disney Corporation, uh, just thinking you can use it like TubeFilter describes here for everyone can post it, use it, and reference it wherever and however they'd like. That's just bad legal advice. Don't listen to this, right? And especially pay careful attention to articles that already match up with your understanding. Disney's a multinational corporation that probably is acting aggressively on this. And even if you agree with that standpoint, to not just take everything at face value that's reported to you in places like TubeFilter or otherwise, right? It doesn't have to be a, a small website like TubeFilter. It could be bigger media. Don't just take as sacrosanct what already agrees with your worldview on these topics because you can get into trouble that way, certainly. So, oh. Oh, yes. I'm. Uh, Ian is in the background telling me my audio was awful. So, thank you, Ian. All right, everybody. Thank you. Go Michigan. Sorry it couldn't have been a little bit of a cleaner stream for you. I feel like I've been saying that a lot in the back half of this year, but we keep trying to make things better and better. So thank you everybody for the support. And I want to make sure that I don't miss any of these 
Super Chats. Kirk did a stream too. I think I got that one. His stream got copyright stricken midstream. Hey, Hogue, peace and love from Wichita. Congrats to the Wolverines. Gifted memberships. Don asked me to go back and do the law. Can't do that. Can't do that. But I really appreciate it, everybody. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for checking out the Stroke series. Dealing with me and my Michigan Wolverines fandom. Uh, thank you so much for just being a part of this community and being here in virtual legality or hangouts and headlines. And I will see you on the next episode, whenever that may be. Thank you so much, everybody. Really appreciate it. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.